too fast. You got to make the morning last. Just kicking down the cobblestones, looking for fun and feeling groovy. Just trust me, okay? This is Michael, and I am back with the lovely, fabulous, long-legged Tracy Stern. <laughs> Hello, darling. Hi. So, this is perfect. So, we're in the second half now, and mm. so much transpired to get you to this point. So, you're finally, you get to an office, and they're like, stop. Don't change anything. Just sign. And you signed, mm-hmm. but then you start going through the initial shock of, okay, it's been like a year, and nothing's happening. And I am going further and further into the red. But just like I think a lot of people, anyone out there listening who's either been in the industry or has heard of others in know, you always hear, just hold on, just hold on. You got to be patient. Just wait for it. So finally you waited and you nailed a campaign. I did. I got hired. Yep. And, And the campaign was, it was shot in Montreal. Montreal was about a five hour drive from Toronto. Okay. But so I got the job. Awesome. And it paid $3,000. Okay. Three times my investment. Right. Right. So right in that one booking. You're like, finally. Right. Except I had to get myself to Montreal. <sighs> I didn't have a car. Uh, and I had nowhere to stay because you had to put yourself up. So gotcha. they hired me as a local. Okay. Yeah. Except I'm five hours away. <laughs> right. So I called in some favors and my girlfriend's aunt lived in Montreal. So she let me stay at her place and... I drove, so rental cars back in the day would hire people to return cars to the one-way destination. Oh, so, okay. So, for example, the uh, Enterprise dealership in Montreal, when they rented a car, it was one way to Toronto, they had to get those cars back. Right. Well, they would hire people to drive them back. And? Somehow I knew somebody. Absolutely. That did that, and I got to drive one of the cars back to Montreal. That is awesome. So it took care of itself. Right. And then, I don't remember how I got home. But that's irrelevant at this point. I got home, obviously. Um, So I did my photo shoot, and it was a nationwide campaign. It was flyers, every mall across Canada. I was eight feet tall, uh, six feet wide posters. My dad walked through the mall, and there's his daughter, because he never took my career seriously. And so so what did he say when he saw you the first time? He was like, okay, this is a legit thing. I guess you're doing something. Right, exactly. Like, okay, I guess there's something to this modeling thing. Modeling, you know, with the air quotes. It's so funny that you say that, though, because that's really how it works. Everyone's Mm -hmm. like, sure, you're a singer. Sure, you're an actor. Mm -hmm. Then they hear, like, okay, I guess so. I guess you're doing And not to rabbit trail, but I remember being in L.A. once and going to a party and Everybody's like, so what do you do? And I'm like, well, I'm a model. And they're like, well, no, what do you do? Yes. I'm like, no, I'm a model. Like, literally, I'm a full-time model. And they're yes. like, oh, well, you know, a lot of people out here are like actors, but they're really like bakers I'm or waiters. I'm so or glad you say that because everyone in, in L.A. is a writer, a director, mm-hmm. an actor, a model. Yes. So yes, you're absolutely what, right. But that's not what pay the bills. Pay right. the bills is their waiters Sandwich maker, coffees, like baristas. Or, exactly. Yeah. So it was like, no, I'm really a model. Okay. Yeah. So let's back go yep. back to... Uh, where we left off. Um, so your dad's taking you seriously. Yep. You're really doing this thing. Finally making some money, getting some tear sheets in my portfolio. Awesome. Some really legit tear sheets. Okay. That sort of changed the trajectory of my career. But I was still really uncomfortable with telling people what I did. So people would ask me, what do you do? Well, I'm a model. Well, what kind of model? Uh, yeah. And they're like, what? <gasps> so this is when you, like you said, and I think it's so important to make sure people understand that you were not comfortable still like you were being appreciated Mm -hmm. but being able to say i am a plus size model was just not happening there was no ownership yet yet i was modeling but i wasn't owning the platform 
yet. Because when people say what type of model, what would it normally have been that someone would say other than plus size model? They'd be saying what? They're a high fashion model. They're a commercial. They're hand model. Okay, foot model. But you were like, I'm gonna have to say this, and I'm right. not trying. Right, it, because you put me like, especially at a fashion show. Yeah. And runway was my very first job. My yes. very first booking was a runway show, a bridal show. Okay. Um, and that's actually how I figured out what I wanted to not wear to my wedding was doing all these <laughs> bridal shows. Right. Um, but it became very, I wasn't owning that title. It was just like, I'm trying to like not differentiate. Like right. I'm a model. Absolutely. Know, whatever. And then they're, when they would clearly notice there's a difference. Not have, you know, yeah. Blah, yeah. Blah, blah, blah. However, after a fashion show at the clothing store, mm-hmm. I walked outside after the show, and there was some women from the audience who were standing out there. Okay. And they said to me, they're like, we really have to tell you that we really appreciate what you're doing. Okay. And I was like, oh, you know, okay. And they're like, because your size is attainable. And that is when the light bulb switched, and I understood the power of the position I was in. Absolutely. That changed my whole outlook on what I was doing. Mm Mm-hmm. And it really made me take pride yeah. in that position because that was the point that I saw that there was a part of society that just didn't accept themselves. Yeah. And through whatever I was doing, even a small part of it, they were now seeing an opportunity okay. to appreciate what they saw when they looked in the mirror. And you could relate. Right. Well, not really. I was like 20 some, 22 years old and they were in their mid 40s. No, but I'm just saying relate in the sense of just looking at the mirror and not being able to love and appreciate what you're seeing because you're always wanting to look different. And then you're only seeing a misrepresentation on a runway or in a magazine that doesn't look like you. Right. So then you feel like, obviously, I'm not okay because I don't look like that. I was never going to be that kind of beautiful. Right. Is where it was in my head. I'm taller than all the boys. I'm bigger than the boys. I'm athletic. Right. You know, this, that, and the other thing. And for me, it was more of a, it wasn't that I didn't like my body. It was more the size. Right. It was the height. It was the, the, I would never be the little spinner girl. Right. Which is what you thought you wanted. Yeah. But. Because I saw how my five foot four best friend was related to and how all the boys liked her because she was. Petite, now mind you, she was a beast, and that's a whole other. <laughs> that's story. a whole other story. But just, yeah. that's that's kind of where you were skewed, right? So now all of a sudden, it just just like that, you, the light switched. Everything yep. went different, and you were like, yep. "Now, yes, I am. Now I get it." Okay. Yeah. So from that point, that's when you were okay with I'm a plus size model. Oh yeah. And that's what I am. Mm-hmm. Okay. And that's when it became almost a position of defiancy to the traditional modeling world okay. to make a statement, to okay. be a success. And I mean, I have 25 years in that industry and I could like we could literally do a whole freaking months worth of podcast just talking about that industry. and Which all we the very well might. <laughs> so, <laughs> But from there, um, so did my, my work in, in Toronto and then it was time for me to take it to the next level. Right. So I went stateside. Okay. If you were going to be a success in the business, you had to go to the United States. Yes. Canadian models just weren't seen as, uh, and, and I'll tell you a funny story once we get there, but Canadian models didn't earn the same respect as American models. Okay. All right. So I went to the stateside, hit New York first. Okay. And that was... Which is very fitting. It's oh, New yeah. York. Right. Yeah. If you're going to make it anywhere... <laughs> you got to make it in New York. you got to make it in New York. Yeah. So I you know, took uh, my hairdresser. One of her clients was going to New York City. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was actually um, doing some 
not clean business. <laughs> okay. I, I didn't know until after the fact. Okay. But I hitched a ride with them. She okay. arranged it so I could get a ride because I was broke. Yeah. Right. So I had no money. And, and no car. And no car. And so I hitched a ride to New York and stayed with him and, and one of his business partners in Jersey. How far away was this drive? It's 12 hours, about. Yeah, so yeah. That, that was a, quite the drive. Right, and he's he's a European. He okay. was Macedonian. Okay. Okay. Um, Which I don't think a lot of people meet Macedonians every day. No. So no. what was what's a defining feature of a Macedonian? I have no idea. I was going to say. <laughs> I have no idea. So It's kind of like they get mixed up with the Greek a lot. Okay, yeah. that's fair. I would put it, because Macedonia is very small, and people just make assumptions that they're Greek. Greek. Okay. So and they aren't. <laughs> they're very clear about that. <laughs> And so went there and, you know, stayed at the hotel with them. And then mm. the next day we all went into the city and I went to the first stop with them before checking into my hostel. Okay. Because being Canadian, I could stay in a hostel. Right. And he took me to a plant store, exotic plants. Okay. And he said, look, this is Boris. <laughs> <laughs> I don't I don't remember his name, so we're just going to go with. Please Boris. don't tell me there was a Natasha. No, there is, this is this is this is Boris. If okay. you need anything, you come and talk to Boris. He will take care of you. Wink, wink. Right. So I'm like, okay. I'm like 23 at the time. Right. And 22. So. And you are you're on your p's and q's. You're like, I'm watching. I'm I'm not going to get taken advantage of. I don't know right. what's going on here. Right. I'm just right. gonna. I'm just gonna. Just be be a good girl and go about my business. So yep. I spent like two days, I think, in New York City, going to from agency to agency to agency. Gosies, gosies, and um, basically the agents, the one agent was like, "Yeah, we love you. We'll sign you, but you have to move to New York, and you're going to have to get another job while you build your portfolio and okay. all that kind of stuff." And I'm like, "Yeah, not happening." Really? Yeah, I don't have it. I'm like, come to New York. I didn't have the money to move to New York, and then I got to get a job while I didn't have papers nothing so i'm like gotcha. i don't really see how this is going to happen and i'm not a new york girl right I, it york is a is, whole other frame oh God, of mind it exhausted me it is it, it is. was dirty yep i didn't like it no um, it's a different world it yeah. really is yeah i'm a country girl i'm, I'm from a small town in canada i grew up corn husking yeah. like that's just that wasn't my jam so i get on the train and and the, the guy who drove me down was picking me up at the train station um the term sugar daddy might come into play <laughs> in this story a digga, little digga, bit. Digga, digga. So he um, he picked me up at the train station, the, the 12, 13-hour train ride from New York back to uh, Toronto. Okay. He picked me up at the train station with his son in the car. Okay. Awkward. Yeah. Very little, awkward. A little bit. Dropped his son off wherever he was dropping him off, and then he took me back to my apartment. And... He, um, this just tells you how naive and, and yeah, very and green. I oh, I was rose so, colored I, glasses oh, and tacked. I was so green. So he drops me off at my apartment and he comes in or whatever. We're talking and he's asking about my trip and how it went, stuff like that. And he goes, Well, I have a gift for you. And he gives me this box. I'm like, Okay. Now remember, I'm like 22. Yep. Totally green. First, like, you know, outside of Sweden, this is the first time I got off the bus. Okay. And I open the box and there's a watch in it. And I'm like, oh, it's a watch. Right. Okay. Next day, I'm having lunch with my mom and my brother, and I'm meeting meeting them, and I'm wearing the watch. And my brother looks down, he's like, where'd you get the watch? And I'm like, oh, from um, my friend. And he's like, you know what that is, don't you? And I'm like, it's a watch. <laughs> he goes, no, it's a tag. A yep. tag you are. Yep. He goes, it's like a $1,000 watch. 
And I'm like, oh, that probably explains why his face was so disappointed. <laughs> that you were not blown away. <laughs> that I wasn't like super impressed at right. this watch. Because <laughs> I'm 22. What do I care about a $1,000 like, watch? for a watch. Bye. Right? When I'm working like three jobs, yeah. like it's not even on my register to have a right. $1,000 anything. No, absolutely um, not. Yeah. So it was just kind of one of those like light bulb moments like, oh, damn. Okay. Yeah. That explains. Um Dated him for a little bit, realized I don't do well as arm candy, realized that, you know, I need to be the priority in somebody's life and that, you know, ended kind of thing. Well, on that note, we're going to go ahead and take a break and we'll be right back. Stay tuned. Welcome back. So it turns out that while you love for people to look at you on a runway and look at your picture, not necessarily as arm candy. So you weren't really feeling the $1,000 watch commitment, and that went away. Yeah. I, did you um, give the watch back? No. No, I still <laughs> have the watch. did you use it for rent? Nope, still have it. Still in my jewelry box. Needs That's a new battery. amazing. Yeah, it's probably vintage at this point. No, it's definitely vintage. Yeah. Um, so you're 22. I'm 22. And you drop that and you yeah. realize, This is okay. 1995. Yep, yep. So I just keep track. So I totally am. Yeah, this yep. is fantastic. 1995. 1995. What a great year. And after New York, I was getting ready to go to Chicago. Okay. So I had to rent a car and I didn't have any money. So he actually gave me $600. Well, and that's what I was going to say. So you were now back in Canada mm-hmm. from New York. Yep. And now you're going from Canada down to Chicago. Right. And I'm going to Chicago to meet with another agency. Now, what was interesting about that is what I was wondering. So when you went to New York, what was your thought on what the best outcome was going to be? What were you hoping for when you got there? No idea. Okay. So you were just going to go for two days to go on some go-sees and go home. Yep, you weren't meet with agencies and see what the result was. Okay. Just yep. to feel it out. Yeah. See and, if there's interest. See if, you know. Okay. So then you go back. Now you're going to Chicago. Is same it the thing. same thought process? Yep. yep. Go see and see what's going on. Yep. Okay. So drove to Chicago. I had a meeting with Elite Model Management. Okay. And so I went there to Chicago. I think a lot of people know Elite. Yes. yes. Elite. They were Elite um, yep. back in the day. They were one of the powerhouses, Elite oh. Ford. Yeah. I think they still are Wilhelmina. Yes. Wilhelmina. Yeah. Those yes. were back in the 90s. Those were the houses. Yes. Those were the agencies. And that was it. Yeah. And nowadays there's like a boutique agency everywhere. But those mm. were they, they had clout. Yes. Like those were the names in the industry. So I got to Chicago, had an appointment set up, had a hotel room, went to the agency, was outside. And I think I was still smoking at the time. So I think I was out front of the agency having a cigarette. Bike in Chicago. In Chicago. Bike messenger showed up shooting the breeze with this bike messenger, exchanged information. Okay. Um, super nice guy, whatever. Went into my went into the meeting with um, her name is Loretta. Okay. I'll never forget her. And they offered me a contract. And what were your thoughts? What are um, the strings attached? No, what do they, I have to do? Nothing. They they didn't give me any we're gonna give you a contract, but obviously you have to move here. Right. And I said, okay, well, that's not going to be able to happen immediately. I've got, you know, jobs and responsibilities and this stuff. And they're like, okay, well, we'll we'll work as long as we need to with you and remotely. Okay. And we'll just get you ready to come down. They were okay. ready to sponsor me for my visa. Nice. They were ready to. And they didn't ask me for anything other than the fact that I needed to move there. Right. 
and I felt very comfortable with them. Okay. So I chose to go with Elite. Okay. So I got back in my car and I drove back to Canada with my contract in hand, signed the contract. That was around May of 1995. And then I moved. So while I was living in Canada, they would book me on direct shoots. Okay. So I went to Atlanta. Okay. I did a Hanes photo shoot for packaging for underwear. Okay. Made $3,000. And you're like, thank God. American. Yes. So that 3000 went into the bank and went towards my $5,000 for my visa. Okay. And in May of 1996, I moved permanently to Chicago, Illinois. Okay. I packed up, I sold or got rid of almost 100% of everything, whatever could not fit into a minivan, which my mom rented. Right. That's all I I moved to Chicago with that and $500 American in my pocket. The bike messenger that I met Mm -hmm. had a room for rent. Oh, wow. So when I found out that I was going to come down, I had enough money to rent a room in his house for two months. Wow. So I was giving myself two months to make it happen. Yes. Moved down there. Within two months, I had done probably, I think the first month I was there, I did over $6,000 in jobs. So you, you kind of were doing all right. I was doing okay. <laughs> I, was, I was doing it. I was yeah. legit succeeding. And, you know, I was petrified to leave Canada because that's all I'd ever known. You Absolutely. Know, was, and I, I had a good talk with a friend of mine and she said something to me. She, and I was like, I'm afraid to fail. That's why I'm scared to go. She, I'm afraid to fail. I'm yeah. afraid I'm going to go down there. I'm going to have to come back. She goes, well, failing would be not going. Yeah. And it was that advice that I've kind of kept in the back of my head was, um, if I go, I try, and it doesn't work out, that's not failing. No. Failing is giving into the fear and staying in Canada and not going at all. That's failing. Yeah. So with that, I was like, okay. I'm moving forward. I'm going. Whatever, let it be what it be. And it was meant to be. That's obviously what was supposed to be my life. Absolutely. you know, from there, I proceeded to get contracts in New York. Uh, multiple contracts. I had, you know, agencies trying to steal me because I had a client base. I was making over six figures a year. Nice. That was my full-time gig. At like 23. Uh, from 23 to 30 in the United States full-time, that's all I did. Wow. So, Which definitely took off. Was your family shocked? Um, I think once they, I don't think my family was shocked. My grandmother kept asking me when I was going to get a real job. <laughs> She's because they come from that pension. Yeah. You know, when are you going to get a real job? Yeah. I'm are like, you putting anything in a 401k? Like, Grandma, I just made five grand this week. I think I'm okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. But exactly. again, I didn't know what I was making and I didn't know how to save it. So there was some lessons being that youth. Yes. But I learned how to run a business. I was my own accountant, my own attorney. I read my own contracts. I had to negotiate my own contracts. Right. I had to keep track of all of my receipts and file my taxes at the end of the year. So that entrepreneurial spirit came into play down then. It started to yeah. blom- blo- blossom. Yeah. So all of that started in my early 20s because you're only as good as your next booking. Absolutely. And it's great to get the booking the first time, but if they don't rebook you, you didn't do your job. And you said, so this was going on. How long did you keep Chicago as home base? Chicago was my mother agency for almost 20 years. Okay. Which meant that, so in the industry as a mother agency, they get a percentage yep. of every contract. So let's say, for example, I'm Elite Chicago is my mother agency, and I signed with Ford New York. Well, Ford New York charges me 20% commission. 5% of that commission of whatever I make goes back to Chicago because Chicago found you first, found me first, yep. and placed me or made the connection with Ford. Right. So they get a percentage of that 20% for as long as I'm there. So yep. as a mother agent... They were always my fallback. They were always the ones that I would go to. In some contracts, I negotiated right. on my own, and they were fine with that. But they were always 
that mother agent position for me. So you did that, you said, until you were 30. That's where you, that's yep. what you were doing full time. Yep. And then what transpired that as of about 30, you started to kind of do other things? I met my ex-husband. Okay. Got pregnant. And chose love over career. All right. With that, we're going to take a break and we'll be right back. Looks like we made it. Left each other on the way to another love. Now, pray for the end of time. That's all that I can do. Pray for the end of time so I can end my time with you. Welcome back. So. I guess the best way to go into this would be you you literally said you chose love and a man over career and that was either going to be a massive step up or a colossal disaster. So we're somewhere in between. What what ended up transpiring from that point? A new another reinvention. Okay. So I And you're still in Chicago. So I'm, no, I'm where was I living? No. Okay. So, oh boy. God, this is such a multidimensional life. Um, all right. When I was 26, actually when I was 23, first moved to Chicago. Okay. I had met a 21-year-old college student at a bar. We started dating. Okay. Uh, we dated for a couple of years. And I had a rule that if I wasn't engaged... By two years. I like that you keep giving yourself deadlines. I've got two months or I'm going home. (laughs) Right. Yeah. You got to have goals. Yes. I've got two years. Yes. Well, you know, to me, you figure, especially back then, like, no, let's go back to the 90s here. Like, if we're dating, if we're dating for two years, you should know by then if you want to marry me or if we're wasting our time. Yeah. So I'm going to, I need to know where your heart is or else you got to go. Right. Yeah. Because I'm not wasting my time. Right. I got shit to do. Yeah. Right. I'm like modeling, doing what I'm doing my thing. I was like right in the high, like right as my career started to skyrocket. Right. And so at 25, mm-hmm. he was 23. He proposed. And I accepted. Right. OK. So then we moved in together. OK. His mom was super overbearing. <laughs> Shocking. Yes. Super controlling. Shocking. Yeah. And um, I don't think she ever really approved okay. of the relationship. So what was he doing? He was in college. Okay. Yeah, he was going for civil engineering. Okay, so he which was for anybody who is of the creative mind, having somebody who wants a more stable life isn't the worst thing. No. Yeah. No, he was <laughs> so. like, you know, he was the normal. Right. To my abnormal. Right. You know, because my lifestyle was unpredictable. My lifestyle was contradictory. Right. My lifestyle was... You know, you had two of everything and a bag packed 24-7. Absolutely. Like, it was just that unstable. Um, so when it came time for the relationship, he had, like, three out of five things on my checklist. Okay. You know, and I, and I compromised. I was like, well, you know, maybe I can fix the other couple. Right. So you're living there with who is going to be your fiance. He's in college. He's, you know, you're with the mom. The mom is not approving. So what does your life start to look like at that point? So I was modeling, just 
you know, regular bookings. It was my full-time gig. I was able to pay rent. I was able to, um, I was able to afford my own car, my very first car. Okay. I didn't buy until I was 25. And so he moved in with me. He graduated college, moved back home, got a job with um, a construction company where he was like the project manager on the job site. Okay. So he's working. We're living together, going through the motions, engaged, all that kind of stuff. Right. And then he gets fired. So he comes home. Just randomly? He, yep. He comes home. He got fired. And I'm like, okay. So then he goes to the unemployment office to try and get unemployment insurance. Right. And my gut's like, you need to check his email. I'm like, okay. okay. So he told me he got fired for nepotism. Okay. The boss hired his nephew. Right. Okay. So I broke into his email. And this is what year are we looking at? Mm, this is probably uh, 96, 97. Yeah, I was like, this is right in the beginning of email. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So we're looking at, I was about 25, 20. But your instinct knew. Yeah. Yeah. You were yeah. like, there's just no way. Something told me to check his email. Right. So I checked his email, figured out what his password was. Uh, it wasn't too hard. It was his nickname. Yeah. Not to say he was a freaking genius, but... <laughs> Um, like it, I said, it doesn't take a genius to be an engineer. No, so. he's got three out of five on that checklist. Remember, Michael? Okay, three out of five. Okay, okay. smart wasn't necessarily up there. Correct. He was six four. I was gonna say, and that's where we stopped. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah. he was six four. He met all my qualifications. Yeah, that was. I could wear heels. Yes, and um, so basically. I broke into his email, found out that he was actually having an internet affair. So he was having an email affair with somebody and their conversations got pretty intimate. So he was sharing and saying things to this woman. And in one of his first emails was, or in one of his emails to his personal account was, hey, don't email me at work anymore. I got fired. Well, the reason why he got fired is he was using his personal, his work computer for personal reasons. What and an that, idiot. Yes. And that came up on the unemployment when he got denied for unemployment when the letter came in. That's what it said was the reason why he got denied. Wow. So I found these letters. How long had you been together at this point? We were engaged probably three years. Okay. Yeah, at this point. So this was just a massive blow. Oh, yeah. This was a... All right. But this tells you who I am. Okay. Yeah. You found forgiveness. No, God, no. Okay. Hell no. Good. Mm -mm. I was like, is that where we're headed or no? No. No. I printed out the emails. Yep. I went into the bedroom. I packed up all this shit. I took the ring and put it back in the ring box Good and for put you. everything in the bedroom, closed the door. He came home from unemployment and we were on a second story walk up. So okay. we were on the second floor of a three story walk up. And he came in the front door into the foyer and I said, Hey, can you do me a favor? Run down and grab the mail. And he goes, well, Let me just go put my keys on the dresser. I'm like, No, 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 I'll do that. So I took his house keys. He went downstairs. Brilliant. I had like four Seconds. sets of stairs. Yeah. For him to go down, check the mail, and come back up. So I took the, my apartment keys off of his key ring, took his bag out, put it in the foyer, took the emails, laid them on top of the bag, took my engagement ring box, put those on top of the letters, and I was standing there when he walked in the door. And he looked at the bag, and he's like, what's going on? And I'm like, get the hell out. Nice. And he goes, I don't know what's going on. And I'm like, I want you to go home and tell your mom why we broke up. Because remember, she didn't approve of me. No. Heaven forbid her perfect little son. Yeah. So I'm like, take your emails, go home and tell your mom why we're not engaged anymore. Absolutely. So he moved out. His sister, whom he really didn't have a good relationship with. Okay. 
decided to get involved and try and play peacekeeper. So she's like, he's really upset and he's very You're sorry. like, I bet he is. Right. Yeah. And so I said, okay, fine. So we decided to go to therapy. Oh my gosh. I know. At the ripe young age of what? 25? Yeah, you're like, sure. Yeah, we need some therapy. So we went, nope. Uh, nope, We weren't engaged anymore either. Nope. So I thought, all right. And he wouldn't let go of me. You just walk away. Yeah. That's crazy. Okay. um, So you went to therapy. So we went to therapy. We blamed everything on his mother. And he took a job in South Florida. Okay. So when he was looking for jobs, because he's like, look, we need to get out of this area. We need to get away from my family, blah, blah, blah. Like I said, we blamed everything on his mom. His overbearing. And you're saying we. Yep. We did. So he was able to pull you back in. Yep. He was able to pull me back in. And while he was looking for jobs, he was like, where could you work out of? Okay. And I'm like, he and he listed off some places on the East Coast. And I'm like, and Virginia was on it. And I'm like, nope, can't work out of Virginia because it doesn't have an industry. No. So it's not going to work for me. And he Still goes, true to this day. Right. Yeah. God, sadly. Very, very <laughs> This true. is, Virginia's a fabulous place to retire. It's back assword. <laughs> back assword. Love it. Yep. It's so. A, it's the twilight zone of anything entertainment. Um, well, modeling anyway. So that's another topic. That's another yeah. day. So we moved to South Florida. Now, we moved to Fort Lauderdale. He took a job engineering with a company down in Fort Lauderdale. We packed up. We moved. We got married. And then about a year into our marriage. Oh, my gosh. Yep. Gut feeling. I got that same little six cents. Check his email. And this and, is what year are we looking at now? Um, like 98? We got married in 99. Okay. Um, so like so 2000. 2000. Yep. 2000. Okay. I think. Give or take. Yeah. So we're in the, we're in the 2000, 2001 time frame. So my grandfather's super ill. I went home for a month to spend time with my family. It was during the month of February. And now by this point, you're still, it's just the two of you. Yep. Okay. Yep. Still the two of us. A couple dogs. Okay. Yep. I was based out of Miami. My career was in full motion. Like I was six figures, home four days a month. So you were just having, you were still just flying. Yeah. 120,000 air miles a month, international Mm -hmm. bookings back to here. Like I was in the top 10 of the industry. You were in having a time. great time. Yep. I was deemed a supermodel. Nice. In, in my day. Whoop, whoop. Yep. I know. That's such a con. So don't get me started on that how did you? How did you feel as a supermodel when you heard that Janice Dickinson crowned herself as the one who coined the term supermodel? Yeah, I don't pay attention. I loved I loved when that happened and Tyra Banks went, excuse me? <laughs> but, and, you know, I was so far. So I modeled was my profession. It was never my identity. I love that you un, that, you know, and a lot of people don't understand. There's definitely a difference. Oh, there's a difference. I never yes. lived the model lifestyle. I never wore designer or anything. I never got caught up in the bullshit right. of that. I never. Can I swear? I'm so sorry. Absolutely. Okay, you can fucking you. say what you want. Oh, thank you. Okay, good. <laughs> God, I was holding back. Get way colorful. Um, yeah. yeah. Okay, good. So, yeah, I never got caught up in all of that nonsense. Like, for me, it just wasn't who I was. It was what I did. Mm-hmm. And I understood the game from very early on. And I realized that if I played by the agent's rules, my career would be over before it started. Because I watched other models who gave 100% control to their agents. And that they, was... It got fucked. That was not you. No, no, yeah. that wasn't me. And that's why I had the longevity I have is because I controlled my career. I, you know... So we're going to go ahead and we're going to take a break. And I would like everyone to know... I need you to just trust me, okay? Because we're going to be back for the third part of her story. Stay tuned. Love it up to you. This is my rock and roll love. 